Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help you realize your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. This is episode 131 with international best-selling author, app designer, entrepreneur, and trainer, Robert Riopel. If you want to be a part of making a difference in the lives of others, make sure you share this episode and leave a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts, and together we can leave a positive mark. Before we kind of dive into that authority master key to being vital, what, like what stem that what got you going down that path like I, I just love hearing kind of the backstories I know it might get monotonous for some people but it intrigues me and it makes me so curious what gets people going on the paths that they're on well and look Chris it's because of my past that I'm at where I am today so to me and you're right some people get monotonous and and if you want to be an authority in anything let's start by saying this how do you think a song gets to number one on the hits do you think the singer sings it once and then hopes it hits number one? Or do they sing it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times until they're probably sick of it themselves, but yet that's the way they do it. And it gets that repetition, that practice. That's how you get to being good. And if you want to know how to be successful, you have to look at what people might call the ugly truth behind the scenes, the prep work, everything that's being done to allow when that you're doing what you're passionate about to look effortless, to look good. And so like as an example, we're on a podcast. And you make it already look seamless and effort, but the learning, the growing, the work behind the scenes you do to get to this stage says everything, right? And so I'm glad you brought that up because even though it may get monotonous, I will say it and share over and over and over again because it's not for a person who's maybe heard it before. Like their songs on the radio, I hear it again. I'm like, boy, they play that so much. But what about the person who's hearing it for the first time or maybe they've heard it before, but now they're in the right space to actually for it to sink in and they go look at the meaning behind that song if i really listen to the story behind that song i can relate and now my life can go in another direction so you know and and that we're diving right into what it is to be vital but you know my backstory i I, raised here in central alberta where i live in canada and raised that you you know you could call the wrong side of the tracks the poor side of the tracks my parents on one side always were saying, Robert, you can do anything you set your mind to. But what they were modeling was that when it comes to supporting your family, you do whatever it takes, even if you don't like a job, to support that family. So I was getting this dichotomous kind of messages, two messages going on at the same time. But when I started working at a young age, it was, okay, I'm going to find a job. If it feels like it's, it's got some security to it and it pays me a good wage, even if I hate it, I'm going to do it because that's how I'm going to take care of my family. And by the time I was 21, I had been laid off from three different major companies because they all downsized their clothes. And I'm going, I'm doing what I was taught. What the heck's going on here? Right. <laughs> right. And when I'm laid off from that third company, I'm 21 years of age. And in our economy at that time in 1989, not dating myself, don't do the math. I won't and even say I'll, what, I won't say how old I was in 89. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, wasn't, I wasn't here yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. You weren't even thought of, right? And so here we are, and I'm laid off, and our economy is in the tanks because oil prices are down, and we're tied a lot to the oil. So I can't find a what you might call a real job. So I do decide to do something to take care of my family, pop by my parents. That's what you do. And I started delivering pizzas for Domino's Pizza. And because of my work ethic, I ended up becoming eventually, a few months later, a manager. 
my wife became, because I'm a newlywed, she became my assistant manager. And we start doing what we know to do. We start working hard, Chris, open to close seven days a week. We've been doing this for about a year and a half. We're now qualified to be franchisees. And, and I don't know how much you know about Domino's Pizza, but in Domino's Pizza, you cannot just buy a franchise. You actually have to qualify, successfully manage a store for at least a year, meet a bunch of criteria. And if you do, then you're qualified. They waive the upfront franchise fee, which is great, but you still have to have money to buy or build a store, if that makes sense, right? And so a year and a half in, I go into panic mode because my franchisee announces he's done with Domino's Pizza. He's going to sell us two stores. And we had been around long enough and watched other stores get sold. We knew that the managers were instantly let go because the new owners came in with their own management team. And my mindset is, oh, we better start talking to the other franchisees in the city and find another job. And my wife is like, why would we do that? Why don't we buy the store? And I'm like, because we don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, here's a, a beautiful thing to success is surround yourself with growth-minded people that hold you to a higher standard. See, my wife is very creative and very, she doesn't look at the box. She's like, let's figure out the other things. Um, you know, we met when we were 13, started dating when we were 16, got married when we were 19. We just celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary. Again, don't do the math. Congrats. And, that's big. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And I'll tell you, I wouldn't be here doing this today if I didn't have her in my life because she holds me that higher standard. And so because she was so passionate about we'd figure out a way, we started learning. And going to your pencil analogy, we made a lot of mistakes. We, you know, someone would sit there and go, okay, you young kids, you're 23. Tell you what, I can find you something to finance your store and tell you what, my fee is only $1,000, but you got to pay it up front. And we pay them the $1,000, which we didn't have. And next thing you know, oh, I don't have anybody that can, wants to finance you. Okay, can we get a refund on our fee to you? Nope, nope, that's non-refundable. And every mistake we um, had, we asked ourselves, what did we learn from it? And from learning through those mistakes, we started to get confidence and we now knew what to say and what not to say. So for your listeners, we made a lot of mistakes. But now I don't look at mistakes or failures. It's, there's never a failure. It's feedback. Right. Failure is only problems, when you quit. That's it. And who gets to decide when you quit? You do. <laughs> right? And so often it was probably about four months in when all of a sudden we're sitting in the bank with our bank manager who loved us. She'd helped us um, buy our home um, a year or so earlier. She knew we were hardworking kids. And at that time in Alberta, if you wanted to see a business manager in a bank, you had to know someone who knew someone. So we're in her office and we're talking to her and she's like, so how's it going with your store? And we're like, we're, we're pretty defeated. We said, it's not going well. She goes, well, have you talked to Grant, the business manager? And we're like, we can't get an appointment with him. We've tried. And she says, come with me. And Chris, she literally stood up, took us by the hand. Now, another thing for your listeners, make sure you have great relationships with your business people around you, especially your bank. Don't be the problem customer that they only ever hear from you if there's an issue. You know, when I go into the bank, I still love to go in and do some personal banking. And I know I'm, how are you doing? How are you? And the manager comes up. How are you? Because I keep great relationships with them. Because of that relationship with her, she took us by the hand walked us across the bank, knocked on the door and said, Grant, this is Robert and Roxanne. They're two amazing kids that manage Domino's Pizza. They want to buy that store. Take care of them. And because of that introduction, and we learned what to say, see, had we been to them first, we probably would have been declined. 
But because now we knew what to say, all of a sudden he didn't finance the store. He actually financed both the stores my franchisee had for sale at 100%. Wow. So you say, and I hate to jump in here, but you say learned what to say. What do you mean by learned what to say? Well, because we at first were saying things like, oh, we're going to buy the business. And that's a no-no. You buy assets. Because if you're buying a business, you're buying all the possible headaches that come with that existing business. So, you know, we learned how to, what the verbiage was. Even though we knew we were buying assets, we were saying, hey, we want to buy the, the Domino's pizza store, right? So it was just this little teeny adjustments in, in our verbiage and our words. Yeah. And we became franchisees and we were franchisees for nine years. But what's interesting is when we first became franchisees, we knew how to run a store but we didn't know how to run a business. <laughs> oh my goodness. World of difference, right? World of difference. Here, here was our philosophy because we couldn't afford to have an accountant. So we'll do it on our own. And so for two years with trying to do it on our own, well, working open to close seven days a week, our whole philosophy was, well, if there's money in the bank, we must be doing okay. Two years later, when we had to get our books done up for the government, all of a sudden, People are looking at us going, how did you survive these last two years? There's no way you should have make it, made it. And at, at that moment, the ignorance was bliss. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know. And we started to learn. We got proper accounts. Things started to turn around. We started doing pretty good. But all of a sudden, our programming, our, our blueprint of how we are spending habits. Mm. We did something that no one, Chris, I'm going to shock you because you've probably never heard of anyone doing this before. Okay. So be prepared. I hope, I'm ready. I hope I'm, I'm holding on. I'm holding on we started spending more money than we were earning. Uh Oh, isn't that a you sin? probably never heard of? Isn't that yeah. a sin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know you've never heard of anybody who's ever done that. Right. By the time we were franchisees for eight years, we're now over $150,000 in debt and going and personal debt and going down deep, um, deeper. And that's when we were actually introduced to personal development. And we ended up going to a three day weekend where first of all, we learned why were we in debt? What, why our spending habits were the way they were from what we heard, experienced, learned as a child. But second, more importantly, we learned to take ownership. Don't blame anybody else for our debt. We're the ones that made the spending decisions. And even if like, well, they lost my money in that investment. No, you gave them the money to invest. You didn't do your due diligence, own it. And then third thing is we learned specific things we could do if we didn't want to be in debt and we wanted to have financial freedom. And when we left, we did something, and I can only give you the North America statistic. In North America, unfortunately, only 3% of people will ever do something with the information, new information they've learned. Only 3%. And out of desperation, we knew we had to take action. So when we left that weekend, we had a plan. We knew what we were going to do. And what we were able to do is go from being over $150,000 in debt to actually retired, completely financially free nine months later at the age of 32. And that's what our mindset was. Wow. We went, if this information gave us that result, what would more learning do? And we dove in for the next two and a half years to learn from as many masters. Cause I'm also a big believer. And I hope your audience gets this. Don't just learn one way. Don't just learn from one person because you can get nuggets of gold or what I call clues now from everybody. And we started learning. And that's where I found my passion was to be a trainer. Because I've realized, and here's how my dream started. Because, and again, it's a nugget of gold I hope your listeners get, is 
my dream wasn't to do what I do today, travel around the world, impact hundreds of thousands of lives, all that. My dream started was if I could help one person, one person do what my wife and I had done, go from debt to financial freedom and make it all worthwhile. And now for the past 18 and a half years, I've personally taught over half a million students in three to five day live trainings all around the world. And the impact, I've personally taught half a million, but the impact is in the millions because they've gone back to their families and, and so on and so forth. And it all started with that one. And so today I'm where I'm at because of being in debt, going through those learning curves, finding my true passion, and now tra- um, traveling around the world training. That's awesome. And, and so again, remind everyone how long you've been do, uh, doing your training. How many years? Over 18 and a half years now. I'm curious with that, when you decided to to take that path that we're about to dive into with the authority master key to be vital, when you started this journey of being a trainer, did it, it did it just, did it just happen? Did the success no. just come? Exactly. That's why I love diving no. into this, this too, because I, I feel like we can't share it enough as entrepreneurs because we, we look at all the people that we look up to and they're super successful. So you're like, Oh, you know, they just got lucky. They hit it big, you know, they right time, right place. And the work that goes behind it. So that's why I always like asking this question. So, so what was that like? What was the beginning of this journey? Um, the struggles, the, you know, the lessons learned. And, and that's the key because I get so many people say, Robert, I want to do what you do. And I, and then my response is then you've got to be willing to do what I've done. And that goes actually to the V of vital. This is why the word vital came up. See, V stands for virtuoso. And a virtuoso is someone who's working to be a master at what they do. But a virtuoso is someone who's also willing, and listen to the word, willing to jump in wherever they can to learn. When I decided to be a trainer, I didn't say, I just want to be on the stage. I was, I, I became, my wife and I full on volunteered for two and a half years at every live event we could for our mentor at our own expense. Because A, we were giving back because we had learned so much and had created financial freedom. B, I'm a procrastinator. Chris, I, the Olympics are on right now as we're recording this and live. I have won so many gold medals in the Olympics of procrastination, like so many. And I, I used to beat myself up over it. But what I've learned is it's who I am. So one of my quotes is, I design my day in such a way that procrastination cannot play. You see, when I make a commitment to someone, I schedule all my meetings and interviews usually starting early in the morning. I'll start as early as five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, because I know if I've committed to do an interview, I'm up. But I know if I leave my schedule open, I'll sleep in. That, and so it's who I am. So why fight it? Why not work with it, right? So virtuoso, is so we dove in and we volunteered at so many events. It also kept us in the energy. So we were constantly in that energy of growth. And so I'm watching my mentor. I'm watching him. I end up becoming his, his um, assistant. And as a virtual, um, virtual, or sorry, not virtual assistant, virtuoso, see, I was shining his shoes when needed. I would press his shirts when needed. I was getting him a lot of meals. I was taking care of his stage. And a lot of people would be going, oh, why am I doing this? I was doing it with a smile on my face. Why? Because I was learning every aspect. See, and, and if someone wants to be a master at something, don't just learn the trade, learn everything in it. And so we had like 16, 17 hour days because the trainings were full immersion. And so, yeah, you're tired, 
yeah, you get grumpy. Yeah, you get hungry. But when you have your eye on that goal, and looking back when I created the virtuoso or the vital acronym, I realized this is how I've had success in everything I have done. Look at how I became a franchisee. I started as a driver and I worked my way up. So we started as working volunteers from volunteers, became the personal assistant at all the events. And one day, and another one of my quotes is this, it's amazing how five minutes can change your life. Because all of a sudden one day, my mentor sees me, he goes, Robert, come here, get in my vehicle. And we were at a camp, a five-day camp. I hop in, I said, yeah, what's going on? He goes, are you ready? Am I ready for what? He says, I'm designing a new program. We have a guest on tonight. I need you to take five minutes at the end, thank the guest, give some instructions, send everybody to bed. Can you do that? And on the outside, I'm going, yep. On the inside, I'm like, what? What? (laughs) I'm freaking out. Like a duck on water, right? Yeah. Have you ever heard that? A duck on water. Yes. The common center on top. Yeah. And the the feeder that's going underneath. Sorry. Hey, I had to say it. So. (laughs) Yeah. And so that five minutes changed my life because I, and, and, and I want people to understand that it wasn't just like five minutes all of a sudden, oh, I went through the celebration stage, but then I crashed because my mind came in and said three words, no big deal. And how many times have people heard that when they're going for something, their mind will discount it, try to take it out. And I went into, I went into a downturn and my wife noticed what was going on. And she says, what's going on? I'm like, well, that was no big deal. I just happened to be there. He asked me, she goes, pardon me. And she called over one of the staff that we're now friends with said, Shelly, come here. Can you tell Robert what just happened? She's like, what do you mean? Well, he thinks it was no big deal that he got put on stage last night. And she's like, are you kidding me? He's never allowed anybody to go on stage and do that. That was a big deal. And so it got that third party validation. So again, surround yourself with amazing growth minded people. I started to own it a bit. And from five minutes of doing this warm up, I ended up then doing warm ups at all of his events to then doing data with him. And this is a journey of about two, two and a half years in total to then leading my very first event on my own. First time anybody trained his material other than him. I had 1,200 students for three intensive days in Los Angeles, where I'm on stage from nine o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night. That was a typical day for three days straight. And for the next four and a half years, I was doing 40 to 50 trainings around North America a year, plus then in 2007, helping launch in Asia, where our first weekend we had 6,000 students for the three intensive days. And it just, it, it was a learning journey. Years. Like that's what people, a lot of people, and it's, it's hard to get that, I guess, reality across. So, so many people starting side hustles, starting podcasts, you want to monetize and grow and, you know, have that freedom. Like it's going to take time. It It's going to take time, work, effort, sacrifice. It's not just going to happen. Get mentors, yeah. find out the ups and downs, like find a mentor like yourself. If you wanted to start a podcast, learn what works, what doesn't work. Everything from the little nuances to why do you have, why do you use StreamYard? Why do you have the background behind you that you have? What microphones are you using? What cameras are you using? Quit trying to figure it out on your own. Yeah. You, you can make it a little bit quicker by doing that. If you go out and buy your on yourself or by yourself on your own, the time's going to just be so much longer. But if we can have mentors, have these guys like first trade of pencil leadership, I mean, we have to be held and guided to be able to leave our positive mark. And so it's just learn from everyone else's mistakes by being yeah. in proximity, being in the knowledge. Yeah. And, and that's why, like in my book, Success Left a Clue, 
the six steps. The second step is find a mentor or someone to model from. But then the other side of that is, is also ask yourself, who can I be a mentor to? Who can I be a model for? Because three powerful things in, in, in really becoming good at something, learn it, then do it, then teach it. Because when you teach, you get it on a deeper level. And then what do you do? You repeat, learn, do, teach, learn, do, teach. So the virtuoso dive in wherever you can to learn. If you want to learn a trait, dive in. Just get there to be in the energy and learn. The I stands for imprint or impression. You want to make an imprint on people. So when I show up, one of the things my parents taught me is when you show up at a job, even if you hate it, you leave your problems at the door. And so in Domino's Pizza as a driver, I was known as Mr. Happy. Why? Because no matter what was going on in my day, as soon as I opened that door, I had a smile on my face. And if there was someone grumpy in the store, and Chris, you know this, one negative energy can impact the whole oh, yeah. um, team, right? Yeah. So if I saw someone in a negative mood, I made it my business to get bug them until they were happy. And so it got to a point where all of a sudden I'd open the door and people were, Robert's here, and the whole energy would go up. And then, because they knew, let's all work together, let's be happy, and it worked, right? And it was because of that, that all of a sudden, years later, I'm now friends with my mentor, we've done hundreds of trainings around the world together, and we're having, you know, sitting down having dinner, and the conversation came up of why he put me on stage that very first time. He said, do you know why I put you on the stage the first time? I said, no, I have no idea. He says, because I could not ignore you anymore. He says, you're always showing up, being of service. He says, I remember I'm stressed out. I got to write this training. I'm at a break. I'm talking to a student in front of me from the stage. You're off to the side running one of our meetings that need to be done during the break. He said, I couldn't even focus on the person in front of me because your presence was so there, holding that space, doing that meeting, that in that moment, I decided I had to get you to help me because I needed help and you were the person I was going to use. See, I'd made an impression. I'd imprinted on him that I was there with no ego. No, what am I going to get out of it? It was, how can I be here, be of service? So the I, if you want to be vital, is make an impression with no ego, be of service. Yeah, I think the, the ego, This that was one of my hard ones starting out. Just putting that to the side, like, because it gets in the way. <laughs> and so having to just, yeah, put that out of the way and just be of service, like you said, is is so huge. Yeah. Well, and, and to understand though, Chris, everybody has ego. Everybody has ego. And what happens, what causes a lot of people problems is they try to say they don't, or they try to ignore it, or they try to suppress it. And so all of a sudden in weird times, it comes out and in ways they can't control. And then they wonder why they train wreck. So one of the things I've learned and I teach my students is if you acknowledge that you all have ego, then find a way in a healthy way to allow your ego to play in a healthy way so that when, like when I'm on stage, there's no room for ego. I'm there for my students. I'm there to be connected and be present with them because my goal is to deliver everything they were meant to get and more. So I know if I don't take care of my ego, I'm going to be on stage and it's going to come out. So for me, what I've learned over the years, I love video games. Okay. So Chris, if you and I are going head to head on a video game, I'm going to be full on an ego. You're going down. <laughs> I'm not going to take it easy on you. I'm I to yeah. And because I allow my ego to play that way, now when I'm on stage doing my passion and serving people, I'm able to be there for them. Mm. So, I love so you that. have an out. Yeah. You have an outlet for that ego, that that kind of personality. That's that's interesting. And I, I guess like thinking of that myself is is any sort of competition. 
being competitive, you know, board games, sports, yeah. uh, r- running races. I think that's, 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 I'd never thought of it from that perspective of that's an outlet to let your ego. Okay. Hey, ego, ego now, you know? And then when you're, yeah. when you're serving others, it can, it can be kind of resting kind of thing. Exactly. Because it's not going, you haven't let me play and I'm coming out. Right. And, and, and that is the key. So that's kind of the balance. So make an impression, make an imprint. The T in vital stands for tractable. And the definition of tractable means malleable. And, and this is where mentors that come in is how many people, okay, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to do it my way. Yeah, that made it work for you, but it, I'm going to do it better. And if you're not malleable, if you're not willing, so I knew nothing about training. So I was like a hungry student. Teach me, the, you know, I didn't have the bad habits to undo where how many people, they get so connected to their way of doing things, their bad habits that are not working, but, you know, they keep, no, this is the way it's going to work. It's going to work this time. But if you're willing to step back and go, okay, mold me, show me. So one of the things, like, because I've trained now thousands of trainers around the world, how to do accelerated learning, my passion is to help someone be more present and more authentic. So I had to do a total reinvent with COVID. I went from flying over 200,000 miles a year around the world, teaching to zero. And so now when I get home from this camping trip I'm on, my wife and I will be ready to pretty much move into the brand new training studio that we built off the back of our house, which was a dream for three or four, five years down the road. COVID sped that up. And I have a beautiful 1500 square foot training center that's wired for audio, video, my office, all set up to be the command center for if I do a live event or if I can do streaming. So now my students will come to me instead of me going around the world to them and I'll work them over on the stage. And if they're not malleable, if they're not tractable, I won't work with them because I'm not going to put my time into someone if then they're just going to do it their own way anyway. And so this is where humbleness comes in. You've got to be humble when it comes to that, because now it might be, look, I, I, and I'll use an example I used earlier today. Um, I was doing a, five-day training where I was teaching 300 students how to do the kind of training I do. Every A to to Z, uh, the nuts and bolts of how to be a trainer, what it really takes. And in the first part, you talk about those ugly truths of what it really takes. The first day and a half was just monotonous, boring. I would say it's boring, but it's the stuff you need to have. And this one guy finally stands up and he starts walking out of the room and he goes, I'm done. And I stopped what I was doing on stage and I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, what's going on? And I, you know, and he says, this is absolutely boring. This is crap. He says, I don't need this. I'm already doing a million dollars a year. I didn't come here for this. And look, I went into my ego a little bit. And I looked at him and said, sit your ass back down. If you're only doing a million a year, then there's something you need to know because I'm doing 15 to 20 million a year. So get back in your seat. And he looked at me and he went and sat back down. And at the end of the training, he comes to me. He's like, wow. He says, thank you. He says, I didn't realize how much I've been sabotaging my own success and why I've been stuck at a million. He says, I've been doing that for a few years and I wondered why I couldn't get any further. He says, but I wasn't willing to listen to people and do it their way. He says, you taught me so much in these five days. He said, I know I'm going up. And I'm like, great, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you stayed. And I acknowledged him for having the courage to stay. So you've got to be tractable because it could be one teeny thing that makes all the difference in the world. So when someone comes to my studio and I put them on the stage in front of a camera, as they're going, I might say, stop, just turn this way. 
or the biggest common one I see for trainers is it's like their head and their shoulders, even though you have a neck, they get locked together and they'll be like turning their whole body. And it's like, they're locked up. And it's like, just stop, stand in centered. Don't move your body. But as you're talking, walk through the audience just by moving your neck. See, you can do it. And that one change totally changes their presence. So be tractable, be tractable. The A stands for attitude. And attitude's everything. That's why it's in vital. The attitude of gratitude. You know, I, I, every day when I get up, I have my success and gratitude that I go through. Who and what am I grateful for? What successes did I have the day before? So I'm starting my day off instead of waking up going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm starting my day off going, yeah. And it makes a big difference because it, time, look, success is not easy, Chris. You know that. It takes work. It's simple because there's systems in place that you can follow, but you still have to put the work in. So either you have the attitude of, I'm going to be successful, and this is going to be a fun journey, even in tough times, or you have the attitude of, this is a waste of my time. Why am I doing this? What is this? You know. And so attitude, having the right attitude. And this is, again, where having um, people around you that support you, that, you know, difference between like-minded people and growth-minded people. I used to be a big believer in surrounding yourself with like-minded people until a mentor of mine last year, paradigm shift with me. Cause he said, look, and pretty much the, it, what it was is if you're around like-minded people, you could be around a group of people that are complainers, then you're going to be a complainer cause you'll all be like-minded. Right. He says, but the difference with being around growth-minded people, not only are they the ones that'll pick you up when you stumble, They'll be your greatest cheering squad when you're doing well, but they're also the ones that are willing to have the tough conversations with you when they're needed. Absolutely. And that's a big one because we all get in our own way. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. Do you think Jeff Bezos, do you think Elon Musk do it all on their own? They may be the figureheads and everybody's like, they're brilliant, but I guarantee you they have a huge arsenal of growth-minded people around them, experts, to say, you know, to keep them on the track of why something will work or why it might not. And have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? So the attitude of gratitude is, is critical, critical. Yeah. I think that, and like you said, surrounded with growth-minded individuals, those tough conversations, we, I mean, they're hard. They're, they're supposed to be challenging, but if we can't have those, we miss out on on, on the growth, on the, you know, positivity that comes from it. And we, we just will stay at the same level. If we can't, it's just like working out, running a marathon. If you don't push your body, if you don't push your muscles past that limit of, of comfort, even you're never going to, you know, get toned. You're never going to get bigger. You're never going to like break your time record. You're not going to do anything. You yeah. have to have those discomforts to get to that yeah. next level. The same thing with having those conversations with who you surround yourself with. So I think that's such a good one to be a part yeah, of. Yeah, it. it is. Yeah. And, 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 you know, again, I'll date myself. I used to love reading Richie Rich comic books when I was a kid. And one of my favorite ones was where the father was getting frustrated because he'd be in a board meeting and everything. He'd say, yes, sir. Yeah. Good idea. Good, 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 right, right. And he was at his barber shop, and all of a sudden the guy's like, you know, he said something about something he wanted to do. And he goes, I don't think that's a good idea. And he just screamed with him. He's looking at him. And then he was going to his tailor and his tailor like said something and like, what? The, you know, that, that that's ridiculous. And, and next thing you know, he switches his board members out with his barber, his tailor, all these people, because he didn't want yes men. 
he wanted people that were willing to, you know, to be, say, speak their truth. And, and, and here's what it comes down to for people. When is speaking your truth? Because that's one of the greatest gifts you can give others. But you speak your truth with compassion. Don't just sit there and go, that's a stupid freaking idea. You say it with compassion, like, okay, I get it. And I get maybe why you believe that. But have you thought of looking at it this way? Because here's what I've learned, right? So you say you, you speak your truth with compassion. Now, the A or the L for vital. This is the reason I love this one. It kind of is the final anchor is because when people get it and they truly get it, it, it changes their life. And the L stands for loyal. You've got to be loyal. But here's why it's important. The most important thing to be loyal to are your own dreams. How many times do people give up just before, you know, the book, Three Feet from Gold, they give up just before that breakthrough. And, you know, success comes one step at a time. And so can you take one more step? Can you take one more step? And if you're getting feedback, there's times, you know, I, I talk about it in my um, four phases of life. There's times to destroy things and, and, and quit and change. But most people have been conditioned to give up too early. They're not loyal to their own dreams. And because they're not loyal to their own dreams, they're never truly loyal to other people. And loyalty is a huge trait that will attract people that, when you attract people into your life, you're either attracting people that can move you forward or they're attracting people that hold you back and hold you stagnant. And if you truly want to attract people into your life, that can help you move forward, catapult you forward, help you really impact what you're doing, then loyalty to your own dreams. Because people will try and tell you, I, I call them, Chris, I call them dream stealers. And, and most of the time, dream stealers are those closest to us, family members and friends. And, and I want to be clear, they don't try and steal our dreams to be malicious or to hurt us. Most of the time it's to, because they love us, they want to protect us, they don't want to see, they don't want to see us get hurt. And if we buy into their disbelief in your dream, then you have no one to um, complain to about it but yourself. See, the moment you, when you have a dream and you know when you're passionate about it, that this is what I really want, even if it's not successful, you give it everything you can. And, and if I'm to be accused of one thing, it's probably being overloyal. And sometimes I probably stick at something too long, right? Where it's like, look, we saw the signs, you know, months ago. Yeah, but you know what? Until it was ready for me to say that, yeah, because I go through what worked, what doesn't work, what would I do different? Until I come to that conclusion myself, because I'm not willing to give up too early. But I used to be, I was a person that would give up quickly on stuff. But now that I'm loyal to my dreams, that's what allows me to keep moving forward. That's what allows me to become vital. That's what allows me to be seen as an authority because I stick. To something mm. when others don't yeah i think that's a such a big part um we have to know our why we have to know that dream and, and keep it close and that's why i think going back to it daily even because it is a, it's a hard journey i mean yes there's processes things are simple but the hard work and you know discouragement that can come the negativity that you have to try to avoid so having that anchor like you said that the being loyal to your dreams it's, it's so important because if not, 
then what's the purpose? What's, what's going to keep you well, motivated to go forward? You know, what is that? It's, it's like it, my first marathon I ever ran was to Chicago. Um, and you know, you put, you put work into training for it and it's hard. It's, it's long hours. It's, and it's strenuous on the body. And, and then you get to that moment where you're in the race and, you know, you've trained, but you're still having these issues. Like you start cramping at certain parts and you get sore and, you know, all that comes with that. But the dream, the, the loyalty of finishing, I'm going to finish this. Even if I'm yep. walking, if I'm crawling, like keeping yep. that to the point when I was running that Chicago marathon, the first one I ever completed, I came around the last turn after, you know, the 26 miles with the point two left and I'm hurting, <laughs> I'm hurting him, but I see that finish line. And when I see that finish yep. line, everything just, everything in the past faded away, all the, the pains, the struggles faded away. And, and, and I got emotional. I actually got emotional running that last distance because yeah. I, I, I knew the work I put into it. And like, there was the success. And I knew then from that moment, I can do these more and more and, and I can accomplish this again. And so it was just, yep. it's, I kind of just always make that parallel to running because uh, it's just always how I've been, but, um, You've got to, you've yeah, got to and, keep and, focused on that finish line. And to put that analogy into place, most people, they stop running at 26.19 miles. The finish line's right there, but they stop and often they quit right when they are about to have the result. And, it, and then that becomes a habit because we're creatures of habit. And then it becomes a habit. So you just do it again and again the next time and the next time. Yeah. That would be a good experiment. You know, set up a course, set up a marathon with only arrows telling you which way to go. Don't put any mile markers. Don't put a finish line and don't let allow, don't allow people to track their miles. Yeah. And see, I like that idea. Percentage, like how many people stop at, at 10 miles? How many, you know, can, can yep. they, I, that'd be interesting, a good experiment to see what the mind, like if they would keep going, if they had no, one of, I can't remember the name of the movie, but it, I saw the inspirational clip. And it was based on a true story where, you know, a football player and the coach is trying to motivate them. And they're like, coach, it's too tough. We can't do it. And, and he challenged one guy. He said, come here, get down. And you're going to do the bear crawl, right? Facing With the giants. Back. Yep. Yeah. And when he put that blindfold on him and he's like, just, oh, I can't. And he had blown past it. When he finally took the blindfold off, he had blown past the finish line because that's what our mind does. It sees that finish line. And all of a sudden the self-sabotage comes in. The self-doubt, the why I can't do it. And you're right. I like your idea. I think that would be pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. How many people stopped just short? Yep. They don't tell anybody and they stop, see how close they actually get before. I think it'd be interesting with the, the men, the mindset of it all. Yeah. Yeah. And you tell them something like notice when you're feeling like you want to stop. And when you, you think you've accomplished the goal, stop. And then we'll tell you how far you made it. And you know, that that would be pretty that would be quite the experiment it would and, psychological do, experiment. Do it as a, yeah do a document around it documentary around it hmm, yeah. i think you just came up with something Chris. <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll write that down so i don't forget uh no but the mind the mind is so such a valuable tool but it can also be such a, a negative anchor keeping That's us right. back it's just how we use yep. it you, your education and your your knowledge is your, one of your greatest ed, um assets but it's also one of the greatest hindrances in your life. Mm. Yep, absolutely. And and I think that's, I, I love the the acronym, acronym VITAL you put together. I think it kind of all plays together with that. Uh, I mean, uh, virtuoso, just showing up, willing to learn, 
eye imprint or impression, T-tractable or being moldable, attitude and loyal. All this is just, these are just keys to just op open the door. Just like you said, the master key, 40 master key to, to open your path. And, and well, get and that's it. And why did I call it a master key? Because a master key is a key that can open any door. And how did I, did I just think of this? No, I lived it. <laughs> I've been through the ups and downs and I've lived and learned what worked and what didn't work. So, yeah. yeah and it, it's, and it, again, it goes back to, I hope everyone listening is, is truly listening and taking this away because, because uh, what of Ro what Robert's been through and where he's at now and what he's doing is just, I'm learning from him still. And I'm, I can say that without any hesitation because I try to learn from whoever, no matter what level I'm ever at. Um, and so this has just been really, a really neat conversation that I've enjoyed. And, um, I already know you're making an impact, but with that, the fifth trade of pencil leadership is that we're all uniquely created with a purpose to leave a positive mark on the world. Uh, so I'm curious, Robert, when everything is said and done for you here on earth, what do you hope your mark is? You know, um, I believe the greatest gift anyone can give this planet is to be themselves, to be authentic. And so I hope my mark that's left is that I helped even one person live a truly authentic life. Uh, compared to maybe what they used to live and that allowed them to step into their greatness. That's awesome. It's so it, it, it's needed it, to be authentic, to be truly who you're created to be uh, is getting more lost and lost in the, uh, you know, programmed well, and, and, and guided lifestyles. We're, we're, con we're con conditioned now, especially with instant social media to look for the stars, the gurus and all that. And, and when I started training, that was a word I hated was guru. I cringed anytime someone called me their guru because it's like, I'm just a normal person. I'm no different than anybody else. Is it possible I know something you don't? Sure. But isn't it also possible you know something I don't know? Sure. And I remember it was back in about 2006 or seven, I want to say. I was doing a full five-day camp and I had, not only was I teaching 300 students, I also had six trainers I was teaching to train this particular camp. And one of my friends, who's now an amazing friend, all these years later, he was running one piece, a very powerful piece. And I wanted him to talk to my six trainers while the students were doing another process. So I got him in a room together and he's talking to them. And my friend actually, he reads body language. He reads facial language. And as he's talking to one of the students and the student said, yeah, Robert's my guru. And out of the corner of his eye, he saw me flinch. And so he said, Tom, stop for a moment. He turned to me and said, Robert, what just happened? And I'm like, nothing, Aaron, nothing, just keep going. He goes, no. He said, when he called you the guru, you reacted. And I, and I want to know why. He goes, I'm like, Aaron, this is about them. He says, you're right. So we're not proceeding until you tell them why that happened. And I'm like, oh. so I looked at him. I said, I hate that word. And he goes, why? I said, because I'm just me. I'm no better than anybody else. I'm not this big guru. And he, he did a lesson, Chris, that changed my life. And I'm going to do the lesson with you for your audience. I would love for you to spell the word guru for me. G-U-R-U. -U. So I spelt it. And then he looked at me and went, G-U-R-U. And in that instant, it was a paradigm shift again. And I went, now it became one of the greatest compliments anybody could ever give me. And so when we tap into our inner guru, because we, when you are authentic and you're yourself and you shine up and show up as you, one of two things is going to happen with people in your life. Either people are going to like you for who you are or they're not. And if they like you for who you are, that's awesome. If they don't, 
that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because how much time have we spent and wasted and energy trying to get people to like us and be a way they want us to be instead of just being us. And when, when you're you, the people that'll show up in your life will blow your mind. I used to have hair until I started showing up just as me. Blew my follicles out, man. I just got to <laughs> tell you. Hey, well, you rock the baldness pretty good. So there you go. <laughs> well, Robert, no, I, the mark you are, I mean, leaving that mark on helping people be more authentic in the world. And so I thank you for that. I thank you for that mission that you've chosen um, and that you've been on. How can people find out more about what you're doing, what you do and get connected with you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, because you were so kind to have me be a guest on your podcast and your audience has taken the time because to me, time is one of the most valuable commodities you have. So I always truly appreciate when people take their valuable time to spend it and learn. And so as a gift to them for you being so gracious to have me on your podcast, I would love to make sure that they all actually have access. My international bestselling book, Success Left a Clue, is they can all get the audio or the digital copy of it by just going to robertreopel.com. Just my name. Yeah, you just popped up. robertreopel.com. They'll be able to download the, um, the digital copy. Now, Chris, it does come with a caveat, though. <laughs> and because most people, they read a book. They, it's like, yeah, that was great. And then they put it on the shelf and it becomes shelf health. That's not why I wrote the book. In the book, I talk about the six steps to create the life of your dreams. Step number three is to take action. So all the way through the book, I've written action steps. And at the beginning of chapter, it'll actually say, did you do the last action? If not, stop reading right now. Go back and do that action. So it's actually a workbook. And so I would love for your listeners, your viewers to go and actually download the digital copy, but do the work. Because I promise you, if you do the six steps, you'll see that you start moving towards your dreams even more fluently and you'll have just a more amazing life. That's how passionate I am about that book. People can follow me on Facebook. Just put my name in. I have a fan page. I am on Instagram. I am on um, uh, LinkedIn. I'm getting all this now because I've got a new virtual assistant that's keeping that all in line. Um, but yeah, and follow me and, and message me if there's ways I can be of assistance. Just don't hesitate to reach out. Awesome. Yeah. And guys, take him up on that. Get his book. Take action with it. Uh, and just continue to become vital in your own stories. So, Robert, again, thank you for being on the show today. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. Now let's go out and be pencil leaders.